Hello and welcome. My name is Victoria Tozer Pennington. I'm the editor and co-founder of Airline Economics magazine. Welcome to our Sage series of podcasts, where we speak to veterans of the aviation finance and leasing industry who share their thoughts on the current pandemic crisis. I'm delighted to welcome Gary Burke. Gary has almost four decades of experience in the industry. A Guinness Peat Aviation alumnus, Gary joined Pembroke Capital in 1995, where he was CEO for 11 years, before heading to Standard Chartered, which he bought the company in 2007. Gary, welcome. You've had a long and distinguished career. You retired recently from Standard Chartered. So what are you currently working on? Victoria, first of all, thank you for inviting me to participate. Um, it's always good to work with the airline economics people. Um, when, when I retired from Standard Chartered um, in September last year, I set up Hippocrene Limited, which is a, a small company established really to provide advice and input to leasing companies and, and financing entities, uh, mainly existing uh, participants, but also uh, to try to provide some constructive input to, to new entrants. Um, and, and there are a number of people around uh, with whom I've been speaking about some interesting ideas uh, of expanding in the sector, um, including the possibility of a, a debt-oriented fund rather than a, a fund where residual values are critical. Um, I also joined the board of directors of a smallish aircraft lessor, SDH Wings International Limited, that entered the sector in 2017. Uh, it has been building its portfolio pretty steadily and, and wants to continue to expand even in the current downturn. Uh, shareholders are very supportive of growing the business. Um, the, the, the main shareholder is Sichuan Development Holdings uh, Limited, uh, which is, I suppose, it it, it kind of terms itself the, the sovereign wealth fund of Sichuan province. Um, so that company is is looking at expanding, and and hopefully I'll I'll be able to help uh, help them expand over time. Um, and in addition, I have been in discussion with some people about non-executive directorships. Um, but right now, uh, I think the main thing has been to uh, stay healthy um, and also to, to be a little bit selective about, about what I'm doing. I'd like to speak, please, about the crisis because this has obviously affected the whole world and aviation and airlines particularly harshly. Um, you've been through, obviously, 30 years of, of ups and downs, but... Could you maybe share your thoughts on how the impact of COVID-19 compares to other downturns we've faced? Sure. Well, it's it's clearly far more extreme than anything that's gone before, um, with expected revenue losses of around $420 billion. So the wounds are, are going to go much deeper than anything we've seen before. And, of course, as usual, it's come at a time when uh, the industry was, was already showing some signs of slowing down. Uh, while April, I suppose, was, was the cruelest month with an effective shutdown of all passenger flying, uh, there has been some tentative recovery. But I think the full recovery that, that the industry needs uh, is going to be unpredictable. Uh, it will take time. 
Uh, and I think that airlines and airports and governments uh, are going to have to make people confident to fly again. I think this time, unlike others, it, it, the airline system itself or the aviation system itself is feared um, as being a source of, of transportation of the virus. And so I think publicity campaigns around uh, HIPAA filters on board and the effectiveness of masks, all of this is going to be really, really important. Um, I, I referred to, to tentative recovery. I think if, if we look to China, um, there was some recovery while while lockdown was, was eased, but that took a hit when, when there were new clusters uh, emerging a couple of weeks ago. And Beijing having gotten itself back up to 600 flights a day, uh, which doesn't sound like an awful lot by, by normal standards, but having gone up to 600 flights a day, we're, we're back down to 100, 140 flights by, by the 20th of June. Uh, so situation is evolving. And, and I think it's going to be really, really tricky for airlines to plan. This year already, there's been 40 airline bankruptcies or more um, involving somewhere around 1,200 airplanes. And, and that's probably just the start. Uh, we need to think about what happens as the government supports taper off. And if you, if you think about you know, the, the post-Lehman period, I think looking at, at 2009, there were 60 failures in the entire year but there was only 300 or 400 aircraft involved. I think this time around as well, we're going to have an extra two and a half thousand surplus airplanes over and above what, what was already in the system. Um, and that's what that that's about two years production by Airbus and Boeing combined. I think last year they, they produced about 1200 the year before 1500 airplanes between them. That's just never happened before. And the politics seems difficult, different as well. Um, I think in the past, globalization has, has been seen as a tide that would raise all boats, if you forgive the, the analogy. Um, but now I, I just think there, there seems to be a lot of inward looking nationalistic type politics sort of playing into this stranger danger fear of, of the virus. Uh, with a, a patchwork of self-isolation rules that will just depress the tourism sector, which is so important to the airlines and, and to world GDP. It's, it's 10% or more of, of world GDP. So it's, it, it is much, much deeper than previous crises. And I don't think we, we really have a point of reference for recovery. Um, you know, apart from the regional impact of SARS and Ebola and MERS, which were, were less infectious than COVID-19, we don't have a point of reference. The last global pandemic was in 1918. Uh, that was only 15 years after the Wright brothers first flew at Kitty Hawk. You know, the, there wasn't a, a commercial airline sector at that time. It was really uh, the 50s, I suppose, before air travel became uh, generally accessible. So, you know, this time we're, we're really just trying to adapt as we go along. Indeed. Um, my next question was going to be about whether or not there are any lessons we can learn, but it is so extreme. Do, do you think that there's any any kind of lessons that we can pick out of those past 13? Well, I think it's, it, it is still 
very early to figure out what the overall impact is going to be. But I think generally speaking and, and, and looking to, to first principles, if, if you've got the right aircraft and the right counterparty, you, you should be okay, whether you're a lessor or a lender. Um, if you're missing one or other of those two elements, you're going to need a, a, a really good team with a, with a broad network and, and very strong relationships to see you through. Um, spoke about the right aircraft. I think people generally have a view on what the wrong aircraft is. Uh, so that would be out of production, four engines, small user base. And I think that, that these airplanes should really be owned by professional experienced lessors and, and not new entrants. And, and one of the, the, the things that has developed is a lot of new entrants have acquired aircraft merely because they were aircraft with perhaps a good counterparty. But I think uh, residual values are going to be very, very important uh, this time around. And I think this is a time when well-managed technical teams come into their own. Uh, you know, these are the folks that, that make sure that the aircraft is well protected and, and more often than not, uh, they're a key element in repossessing aircraft, especially uh, repossession around maintenance records. Um, and, and that's, again, I think, unfortunately, going to be a, a critical part of what is going to happen over the next 12 to 18 months. But the pandemic is neutralizing a lot of the ambition, or the ammunition um, that lenders and, and lessors have. You know, how, how do you repossess an aircraft at the moment? Um, why would you repossess an aircraft uh, at the moment? Because you're going to really struggle to find a replacement lessee. That that hasn't really happened before. You know, the, the global market currently has a closed sign hung on the door. Um, but I suppose another lesson is that there will be significant opportunities for people with capital uh, and for people that have skills and experience because with, with any turmoil comes opportunity. There's going to be new entrants. Uh, I think it, it is fairly predictable that there will be new entrants. There will be the entrants who are temporary visitors that avail of opportunities that are there are transaction driven. Um, I think that happens in every sector. There will be long-term players probably as well, but overall, uh, I think the big lesson is that liquidity is key. Those people that have stockpiled cash and can afford the cost to carry, um, or those people that have supportive investors and who have access to dependable expertise, those people will do well uh, out of this crisis. You mentioned you're still on the board of STH Wings, and I just wondered if you could take some time, please, Look at the different uh, regions, you know, Asia, Americas, Europe, and just see how they've been impacted and, and perhaps look at how they might recover. Again, I, th I think things are still in a state of flux. Um, US and China have, have big domestic markets, um, but I think travelers are still a bit cautious. If you think about it, there's, there's been, I, I think, 188 or so uh, countries impacted so far by the virus. Um, and so I, I think it's early to look at what has been happening 
passenger-wise, but, but certainly if we look at World Health Organization statistics, the trend um, is still upward in terms of cases in, in significant markets uh, like the US, Brazil, India, uh, Southeast Asia generally. Um, all of these markets are important from, from an aviation perspective. Europe appears to be leveling off a little, but Eastern Mediterranean, important for tourism, uh, the trend there still looks a little worrying. Um, and we don't know how passengers are going to respond uh, to the continued spread of the virus, even as flights become available. Um, and there's, there's a reasonable opening up of uh, markets uh, across Europe. Um, in fact, this week, um, you know, will, will the statistics in the US make any difference to, to what people do for the 4th of July holiday and, and their travel plans? Um, I think that will be interesting to watch. Uh, is there going to be much take up of uh, the uh, rapid testing available in Frankfurt? Cost you 139 euros, um, which added to the price of your ticket may or may not uh, make, make that more attractive. Um, and I think people are talking about the, the so-called travel bubbles or, or air bridges that align countries of similar infection rates. Um, but I think you got to wonder uh, how the politicians will approach um, the measuring of who's got similar infection rates. So we're into a game of political Jenga as well, I think. Um, and, and looking just on a very uh, global basis, I think while there are going to be differences between the markets, the outcome across the board and on average, I think is likely to be downsizing, consolidation, and unfortunately bankruptcies. And of course, higher travel costs, as long as we need that extra screening. And um, you mean you mentioned government support already, I mean, with testing and with raising confidence, but there also have been a lot of government money for airlines, hasn't there? I mean, what, what are your thoughts on the, the, the level of government support so far? Well, I think governments have, have a real problem with this virus and with, with the development. Um, you know, the, they seem to have limited consensus on how to contain it other than lockdown. And lockdown means that all sectors are looking for bailouts and in massive amounts. And so to preserve health systems, um, governments have, have had to be willing to put their hands into their, the, their pockets or maybe their taxpayers' pockets. Um, and it's going to be difficult to pay all of this back, even at current interest rates. I think so far there's been about 125 to $150 billion of support provided. Um, but if, if passengers don't come back quickly, I, I think it probably won't be enough. Um, you know, if, you, if you think about it, there's, there's going to be almost half a trillion dollars sucked out of airlines' revenue lines, uh, according to IATA. Um, and so I think support can't be unlimited. I think the airlines will have to restructure and reorganize themselves, just like they did post 9-11 and, and came out, uh, the survivors came out uh, better and stronger um, post 9-11. I think 
governments also have a key role in creating a sense of confidence, which may not cost all that much. Um, but there's going to need to be a concerted effort to make people confident in flying again. One more thing, um, I, you know, m my thoughts on government go to the state of preparation for, for this crisis. Um, you know, the, the question as to whether it is or is not a black swan event. Um, well, enough people had warned about pandemic um, going back years and, you know, not, not just Bill Gates, you know, George W. Bush was talking about getting prepared for, for a pandemic way back in 2005. Um, and so even though we've had all of these talks about preparation, we appear to have been unprepared when it actually came. You've already mentioned that repossessing aircraft is perhaps not the best course of action in such a closed market. But what are the other key challenges facing lessors at the moment? Well, I suppose if, if you think about the key challenges facing lessors, um, they are in the first place liquidity uh, and getting through the next 18 months, uh, retaining the, share, the, the, the support of their shareholders um, and maintaining discipline in what they're doing. I, I think the challenges are, are multiple. Um, and in some ways, the larger lessors might have a, an advantage with diverse fleets and, and ex experienced teams. I think teams like that are more investable, if you like. They, they have already have a presence in debt markets, whether it's with the banks or the capital markets, and that gives them a, a certain stability. Um, you know, we've seen that with Aircap and with Airlease and others accessing the unsecured bond markets for, for big ticket deals, even post um, lockdown. Uh, but even with the experienced lessors, large concentrations of lessees that can't pay their rent can be an Achilles heel and, and could make uh, some lessors uh, take over targets over time. Um, I think for lessors dependent on the bank market, banks are going to be struggling with risk-weighted assets, probability of default and all kinds of wonderful concepts. And that's going to make them very cautious and getting new deals done I think will be a real challenge. Uh, you know, the year was already set up for a record number of remarketing tasks, um, according to IBA IQ, um, and that is even before the unscheduled returns that, that are going to come down the track um, as, as we see more and more airlines wanting to uh, seek protection and, and to return aircraft early. Uh, I think they're Maybe some operating lessors that will try to move part of their portfolios into a finance lease category to pass on the residual value risks back to the lessee. Uh, and we've seen that before. Um, we have done that uh, before. Like airlines, I think, I think there will be some consolidation and, and shrinkage of airlines. And, and like the airlines, there may be some consolidation of lessors, but I think that's going to take time. I think it, it will really be a couple of years down the road uh, as the markets show more robust recovery towards 2023. Um, some investors, some of the recent investors in the sector may find that operating leasing is, is more complicated than they thought and, and they may be looking for an exit. There's certainly been a lot of new lessors. Do you think they'll be facing particularly different challenges or are there any 
specific challenges to, to new entrants or are they all the same? Well, I think uh, I think the the challenges are going to be pretty common to all. Liquidity is going to be the biggest one with with so many airlines seeking deferrals um, and forgiveness uh, of rental. I think liquidity is going to be the big, big challenge uh, for lessors uh, over over the coming couple of years. And and as liquidity dries up, retaining support of shareholders. So perhaps if we could look beyond the pandemic and look towards hopefully a recovery that will come shortly, what shape do you think that will take? Well, everybody's crystal ball is a bit cloudy at the moment. Um, I think it will be a slow recovery. Um, it, it, it's definitely not going to be V-shaped. Uh, this this one isn't a localised issue like SARS, and, and it transmits more easily. Um, it's not like 9-11, where putting physical security in place was, was very visible and, and gave comfort to travellers. Now, this time around, everybody is a potential transmitter, even those with, with no apparent symptoms. And there's no vaccine yet. And that's going to make people reluctant to travel. Uh, the thought of the airport experience and the onboard experience in, in this new normal, um, I think, is also likely to make people reluctant to travel. You know, post post nine eleven, the airport experience and onboard experience wasn't all that hot either, but people got used to them uh, because the destination itself was enticing, um, and I think people can get used to a lot of things. But uh, what happens now when when you get to your destination? Are you going to have two weeks of self isolation, limitations on on your movements? Uh, I think it's it's just going to be. Uh, quite a slow recovery. Um, we've got to be concerned about further waves of the virus. There have been new spikes in China, in Germany, in Portugal, um, and new lockdowns have been imposed in all of these places. For business travel budgets, uh, travel budgets are already under pressure. And I think business travel is likely to be relatively slow to recover, hurting the commercial airlines. But you might see more private jet travel uh, for those with bigger budgets or, or for those with disposable incomes, uh, I suppose much to the chagrin of the environmental lobby. Um, the recovery, as always, will come down to cash in people's pockets. Post Lehman, it took a long time uh, to get people confident enough to spend again. And the analysts who, who tend to know a lot more about this than I do, uh, they tell us that it's going to be 2023 before traffic returns to last year's levels. And so even at the lower production rates that manufacturers are announcing, that means that there's going to be a lot of airplanes to be absorbed over the next three to four years. Um, I think Part of the recovery will involve a lot more data gathering by airports and governments. And, and some people may object to providing large volumes of information to the authorities and, again, choose not to travel uh, for some time. Uh, 
there will be a recovery. It, it will come. Uh, unfortunately, I think it may be too late for some, uh, but it will come. And perhaps looking again to that recovery and uh, when this crisis plays out, we've already mentioned that there will be opportunities. Could you maybe give some thoughts on what kind of opportunities could arise in finance and leasing in the aviation industry? Well, I think for people with capital and patience, uh, there's going to be huge opportunities. Uh, there's going to be opportunities for transaction-motivated players that want to buy and hold for a short period and then sell. Um, and, and we've seen uh, that happen in the uh, secondary market on, on ABS paper, particularly paper that perhaps gets downgraded and can't be held uh, by the original holder anymore. Um, and there's, there's going to be opportunities for strategic long-term players to buy and hold. Um, I suppose that with accounting for operating leases looking very similar to debt now, uh, there may be an opportunity for people to do finance leases or hybrid leases. Um, and that may bring more players into the market, perhaps more aviation-related debt funds. Uh, I think banks are going to find it more difficult to lend, as I said, Basel IV, IFRS 9, all of this good stuff. Uh, that makes life difficult for banks um, and it pushes them to lend to a smaller group of airlines and the shrinking of the target market for banks therefore creates an opportunity for hedge funds, sovereign wealth funds, family offices and others uh, to invade that space. But as part of a balanced position, uh, I think the returns from that kind of debt business uh, can be quite attractive. I think the consolidation of leasing companies comes back on the agenda. Um, I know people have been talking about it for a long time, but I think some lessors will find new owners. Um, one of the things that, that always concerned me uh, as uh, either within Standard Chartered or, or Pembroke uh, or, or even GPA before that was the amount of friction that the sale of aircraft and the novation of aircraft um, causes. Um, and hopefully uh, that uh, this time, um, depending on how long the downturn lasts, the lessors might actually get blockchain or GATS to work um, for the benefit of all concerned. Uh, it's not going to be a big money-making opportunity, but I, I certainly think it will ease uh, liquidity in aircraft um, going forward if, if that can be achieved. Um, and I suppose we talk about failure of airlines and consolidation of airlines. Who's to say that we won't see some new airlines emerging to, to capitalize on the supply of surplus airplanes? And then I think we're just turning to financing. I mean, you mentioned ABS paper. The, the market exploded in recent years, didn't it? With a whole new uh, obituaries uh, were finding it a lot easier to, to come to market. Do, do you have any thoughts on the current positioning of, of debt and capital market financing for leasing companies and how you see that developing? Well, I think it, it, it certainly appears that um, the purchasers of paper in the capital markets do like the big lessors with depth of experience. Uh, people who've long track records, strong ratings, real companies, if you like. Um, 
They're not so hot on ABS structures right now. Spreads have widened for existing deals. And um, I think although 2020 was expected to be uh, a record year uh, with, a, with at least as many uh, ABS launches as, as 2019 saw, um, old new deals appear to be back on the shelf right now. Uh, so maybe, you know, maybe investors are less comfortable with the, the less organic nature of, of the portfolio deals uh, and the fact that the servicer is a third party. Um, but post 9-11 and post the, the uh, Lehman Brothers uh, bankruptcy, uh, you know, that market went into hibernation back then as well. Um, and so right now it, it's the same again. Uh, a period of, of hibernation uh, followed by an active market, but only when it's clear that the, the industry is back on its feet again. And then I guess finally, do, do you see any kind of transformational or structural changes happening over the next 12 months, particularly looking at aviation airline and leasing finance? Well, I think that what we will see is mostly an acceleration of things that were already underway, uh, you know, blockchain, use of big data, artificial intelligence, more and more movement online, increasing the focus on sustainability, which we really haven't spoken about so far. Um, I think the proportion of aircraft will increase again, in all likelihood, incrementally, since airlines are going to need to preserve cash in the short term. Uh, it's going to be fewer speculative orders uh, it was happening anyway, but again, this is going to be, in my view, short term. Traffic will recover, but um, I think th there will be a push for more environmentally sympathetic ways to fly. Um, there's likely to be a, a hiatus in the sale of aircraft, at least in the volumes that we've become used to. So I think very much an evolving situation rather than... Um, a fundamental change in, in how things get done. As I said, I hope that, that the leasing companies and the lawyers can use the time to develop uh, GATs to make trading uh, that much easier on lessees who already clearly have a lot on their minds. Um, I think while, while capital markets have shown that they've got a, a pretty good handle on, on the underlying risks by favoring well-capitalized and diversing leasing companies, diversified leasing companies, um, especially where the, the effective team is embedded in the company. Um, there has been a pause in managed ABS structures. And I think it'll be interesting to see what is needed uh, for that market to return. Because I think in addition to stabilization of the airlines, um, I think we probably need to see more active trustees acting on behalf of the, the bondholders. Um, I think another aspect that will come to the fore, um, and airlines are already highly sensitive to uh, safety, but I think the three forms of, of security are, are going to be fundamental now. There's, of course, always the operational safety of the aircraft, but biosecurity and and enhanced cybersecurity 
uh, are also going to be significant themes, I think, that airlines um, and lessors are going to have to be careful about. Thank you so much, Gary, for all of your comments today. No, listen, th- thanks for the opportunity to, to be involved. Thank you.